0: Welcome to the Altruistic Traveller Podcast. Interviews with influential change makers from around the world. That recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with these. That type of volunteering actually is proving to be more harmful. Trying to
1: eliminate poverty? I mean it didn't seem that way. They seemed as a human being, someone who needs help.
0: Be inspired, educated and moved by global initiatives making this world a better place. For more stories and resources, please visit thealtruistictraveler.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Altruistic Traveller podcast. It's been a few months since I have done a recording, so um, excuse the jitters, but I have spent a lovely few months um, in this European summer. I had my mother visit me and we traveled around a little bit, So, um, and then a little bit more of an extended break. having a small ailment these past few weeks, but I am better and really excited to welcome my next guest on the show, Sandriy Raj, the co-founder and CEO of Safety Wing and host of the Building Remotely podcast, a guide on how to build and scale a remote company. Sandriy comes from a background in economics and computer science, bringing his experience in policy and social to Safety Wing back in 2018 when it was founded. Safety Wing is a fully remote team building a global social safety net. Their mission is to create a country on the internet, removing the barrier of geographical borders to create equal opportunities and freedom for everyone. In this episode, we'll hear from Sandre himself about this journey, about Safety Wing, and the idea of a global social safety net. Welcome to the show, Sandre. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here.
0: So I usually like to start by holding space for you to share a little bit about your journey, about who you are, and what brought you here today.
1: So my name is Andre, and I was born in Norway, the west coast of Norway, in a city called Bergen. And uh, I, uh, I had some startup attempts when I was in the teenage years, but uh, then became interested in policy and politics. So I studied economics and worked for the government of Norway as uh, on their social safety net and on some other things. But then I got a bit frustrated because government is a big organization. And so things move slowly and uh, was uh, lured to return to the startup world. And I founded a company called Superside, which was a freelancer platform. And it was there that I discovered that uh, we wanted to provide benefits for the freelancers on the platform. Nobody offered it. So in the end, decided to leave the company to build that ourselves, to build a global social safety net and what we think in the end will become the first country on the internet.
0: Oh, wow. So I didn't realize that that idea was birthed that long ago with that entrepreneurial mindset. You know, back then, but before freelancing sort of evolved and the location independence movement really started to thrive as it is now. Um, but as a person who has studied economics, what are your thoughts on the current evolution of location independence and, and you know, this freelancing uh, movement sort of say from when you were working with this startup to pre and post if we can call it post pandemic.
1: Mm. Yeah. As a person start economics. Okay. So that's an interesting lens. I haven't looked through that lens in a long time. Uh, well, so okay, just to start with the things I would normally say about like freelancing. Like why did I love freelancing while I was full time at I mean, When I wanted to kind of leave a regular job to become a digital nomad and my, my plan was to earn income freelancing like one day a week so that I could finance my real passion, which was the startup, right? And I think many people who are digital nomads are able to do that because they move to a low-cost location.
0: Right, right? I mean, that's that's my story as well. It was, I want to, you know, work on my passion projects and I don't have the time to do that when I'm head down in an office from nine to five each week. So, you know, you start with that balance and freelancing seems to be one of the next steps in, a okay, cable well, Maybe one day I can do it. And then it comes to two days.
1: (laughs) Mm, Yes. And, uh, you know, another big thing, economic thing that comes from freelancing and remote work in general is that it makes the world into a global labor market. With uh, online freelancing, in theory, anyone who, you know, has an Internet connection and has developed a familiarity with online freelancing could apply And you could apply to a job that is anywhere. So the the labor market becomes global and, you know, that has some great upsides. You know, one great upside it has is uh, equalizing salaries, right? Not fully, but, um, but almost uh, fully, you know, I researched this a lot, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And uh, when you see. You know, outside of online freelancing, for example, is very big difference between uh, countries in salary level. But within online freelancing, once you account for skill, there is almost all gone. Uh, which means that you know that that uh, giving access to to basically great jobs for people who live in poor countries is one of the things that comes from from online freelancing. Um, And then there is this massive thing that comes from it, which is the digital nomad phenomenon, which is this idea that previously, the reasons people live in a city is because they're tied there, because it's travel distance from their job, right? So when you decouple that, then you get the scenario where you can move anywhere. So where do you want to live then? And, you know, we're just in the beginning of this. And I, I find it so fascinating, because the digital nomads are early adopters to this trend. But It's a, it's a revolution in how and where people live that will ripple out over the next decade in a massive way, because people will then figure out, okay, if I don't live somewhere because it's close to my job, where do I live then and why? And they will be figuring this out for the first time. And uh, you know, for some like us, that might mean travel more, you know, for others, it's moving to the beach, moving to the mountain, moving closer to their families but people are still experimenting with this and you know we're seeing new types of cities pop up this is the first time in like 100 years where you're starting to see new cities and towns being founded and and more experimentation in you know intentional community building and ways of living that might actually work are propping up um so so that's you know <laughs> there are some big economic effects of online freelancing that uh, that I find you know, it's the biggest thing happening in our time.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you were talking, I was just reflecting on how much of an influence these have, but also, you know, going back to what you were mentioning about um, the idea of the um, global labor market. I mean, that too is something that is happening for the first time as well, isn't it?
1: That That too is something that is happening.
0: For the first time.
1: Yes, 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 yes. No. So, so the uh, labor market before was always country by country and, and it has like deep roots there. So, um, because for obvious reasons, like in order to do work, you had to be somewhere. So uh, if if you were in a situation, in you know, in a country where there was little capital, as, uh, as an economist might say, meaning like, you know, companies and machines and just things that make you more productive, then you had little economic opportunity. You sort of had to take the jobs that was were available. Uh, while if you were in a high, in like a, a rich country, then you had a ton of them. And just the fact that this is mixing up, I I, I don't think people are realizing how, how massive it is, but like, it, it's like... Every person in the world can suddenly apply to like a San Francisco job, right? Um, Provided that that company goes remote. So, uh, you know, just the opening up of you know the of opportunities that that entails uh, is still kind of coming into awareness. You know, we, we are living in a global labor market already, but people haven't realized it yet. So you still have a lot of people who are extremely talented we're working let's say in buenos aires or johannesburg and they just don't know that they can apply to google yet right they're not aware of that possibility but that will gradually come into to, to being and i agree i think it is the first time you know the only sort of earlier global labor market you could talk about was through trade right but that's not really a global labor market so so no this is the first time in history so we're living through a first
0: Wow. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to see the evolution that had happened as well um, from the pandemic. I mean, from a personal perspective, you know, I was a what you'd call digital nomad back in 2018. And, you know, I knew that for a lot of people where back at home, where my home was at the time in Sydney, would sort of think that I was just this vagabond and, you know, a mm. person that just longed for travel and and probably couldn't really grasp that this was a lifestyle that I actually was living and, you know, I would still get when I came home after eight months abroad, you know, the, or oh, how was your holiday? <laughs> mm, right. <laughs> and, exactly. and it, you know, it was something that was quite hard to explain and then the pandemic happened and horrible as it was, it did mm. perpetuate this, our concept of remote work and then you know now we're seeing companies continue to a- adopt that but I feel that you're right I feel that you know even though there has been this huge change I think for people's mindsets to kind of evolve it and to really feel that this is something that can be achieved and this is something that is going to happen How do you feel about uh, the global perception of this movement in your experience?
1: Well, I mean, this is something that I find it's so important for us to get right. And uh, we're putting actually a lot of emphasis into. Right now, it's still pretty good, but we have to be quite vigilant to ensure it stays that way. So... You know, I, I kind of foresee two paths, you know, that we can take. So the, the, the fact of, you know, online freelancing and digital nomadism, it creates this situation for regular countries, where they might feel threatened, or they might see it as an opportunity. And both kind of ways can be justified for them, right? The opportunity is, oh, now we can attract these like nomads who are kind of like tourists, because they don't, you know, compete for local jobs to come here and like, and they're long-term and they're, you know, even contribute more than regular tourists and, and they're knowledge workers. And they bring with them ideas and, you know, possibly startups, you know, and that's like the positive, you know, uh, sell to a country. And, and then the negative is like, oh, uh, wait, here you have these, uh, they're just coming here to, uh, to, to take and they don't contribute anything and, uh, you know, they're not even allowed to work here, you know, they don't have a work permit, (laughs) you know, both of those things can be, I've seen both play out. Uh, But right now, I feel like the positive competition is, is the one that is prevailing. And you really see this in the example with the Nomad visas, which is something that we have, I think, contributed quite a bit to. Uh, although we didn't exactly invent it, but the first country that implemented it, Barbados, was inspired by a talk that we did on it. And and now 50 countries have copied it. I just saw Spain the other day implemented it as well, uh, or, or were in the process of implementing it. So nomad visas is like special kinds of visas for nomads that are not uh, restrictive by country. They very often have an income requirement. Typically, it's 45 Thousand dollars, which is you know a bit, but compared to other visas, it's very easy to get, very very easy to get, and typically allow you to stay there for a year or two. Very often, it's um, uh, you know very lucrative in other ways. Uh, so so this is you know a great example for how countries are then starting to see, hey, there is this opportunity here, and we sort of we want to capitalize on it. We want to attract these new. Citizens, these digital nomads, to our shores. So I'm I'm very happy about that, about how that dynamic is is going. But um, but the sort of the negative is, is always lurking in the background. And of course, there are real concerns. And I would uh, you know would love for us, let's say, as digital nomads, to be proactive. And you know that's why I do love your the title of your talk, the altruistic traveler, because I do find that you know if one way we can uh, you know meet the concerns people might have is to like be better travelers right to be kind of pro social to contribute to the communities we meet and participate in them uh you know volunteer actually you know involve local communities share opportunities with them so that it becomes this experience uh, this real experience of of a great thing that you have digital nomads in your village
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's something that I like to raise a lot in discussions in, you know, my own work, but also in the nomad community. And I think it's really great that you did bring up, you know, the advantages and the disadvantages, but also keeping in mind that we are in a new playing field here. And it's about, you know, bringing up these kinds of conversations and and working with the different stakeholders. Um, As you mentioned, the, the stakeholders go from the digital nomads themselves to, the governments of these places to you know the people that live in the homes in the villages of the cities that we decide to reside in um, so you know when it does come to movements like this when we are pioneering something it's about having those um discussions and i know that you know i've had people like gonzalo hall and and people um, on this podcast talking about you know how we do that so it's important to bring up um, you talk about, you know, with this rise of, of location independence and, and what you do over at Safety Wing. You talk a lot about, you know, this um, global social safety net. Could you share about what that is um, and who is it for, and what the benefits are?
1: Yes. So the global social safety net, you know, and for the first country on the internet, is what we're building. And we are building that a piece at a time. So to sort of take you back to the origin for a second, uh, we had this freelancer platform, we wanted to provide benefits, meaning income protection and health insurance were the two big ones, but nobody offered it. And then we realized that this is a problem. And we also knew that we were early. We knew that we were early adopters of this technology that everyone else would discover in the future. And um, and because I had worked in the Norwegian social safety net, I had that uh, I I knew what that was, right? So and which is a fairly good one in many ways. It's very simple. It's universal. It's easy to understand, and it works well. So uh, so we thought, how about we build something like the Norwegian social safety net, but available globally digitally as a membership, right? For remote workers and digital nomads. And, uh, and then we said, okay, so, and we decided to do that. But then the next question was, well, where do we begin? And we decided that we have to build one piece at a time because otherwise it's going to take too long. So we kind of built, this is the startup method or it's the bootstrapping method, let's say, which is that you build one thing that has value for some And then, like, basically, you use the money you raise from that to build the next stage of the product, right? And so we started with uh, health uh, because that was, you know, we saw a way there to make that product. And it was also what people wanted the most. And of course, we knew about the digital nomad case. So we started with nomad insurance, which is, it's used like, uh, you know, it's like a lightweight, health insurance is kind of like an expanded travel medical thing, but the difference is you can have it on a subscription forever. So if you live abroad and it's uh, $42 a month, and then we have a full, more full scale health insurance called remote health, um, where you can also add things like dental maternity, other things. And, uh, and that is a bit more. It's like, uh, 82 a month, but it's more of a fully fledged health insurance and you can also have it in your home country. So if you were from Australia, you could also use that in Australia as well as when you were abroad. So that's uh, what we have so far. And then what do we have uh, left to build? Well, we're working on several pieces, so re- retirement will be the next upcoming one. So uh, the first global you know, retirement product. Um, that you can kind of use anywhere and save into it from anywhere and pay out to from anywhere. And then also we want to do income protection pretty fast. In fact, we are just looking now at doing that faster because of the downturn, there's an extra need for unemployment like insurance. Uh, So we're going to uh, fast track that a little bit. Uh, we're, We're looking into how we can do that so we can help people during the downturn. And after we built all those pieces, we want to sew it together as a membership. So imagine like the social safety net in in a country that you sort of you're a member of the social safety net, and let's say you pay 10% of your income for that, the whole the whole deal. That's a global social safety net.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, as you speak, I'm just sort of, you know, reminded of how if we change one part of a system we have so many other considerations like for example as you mentioned you know the insurance the retirement funds I mean right now if I think about myself as an individual and I've got you know my some employment a passport from Australia employment in Australia you know tax in Australia but I I work from Europe and I have my insurance with Safety Wing and, you know, there's all these different things and it's kind of like, you, do I still want to be attached to Australia eventually? Do I want to be fully self-sovereign? What does that mean? You know, mm. and I suppose mm. it's through this evolution that, you know, we make these considerations and, and start to create these types of, of platforms or or safety nets as you call them, because, yeah, ultimately anything that has ever come into fruition has been birthed from human conceptualization. And I think that's kind mm. of where we are at within this movement. I, I'm curious, have there been some key barriers that you have come across when, you know, sitting at the drawing board and saying, How do we how do we build this? How do we make this possible for people? Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, so the way we want it to work is global and universal, meaning that we want, well, you to, you know, as in, in, when you're in Australia, to, to have the, obviously to work the same when you're in another country, but also for it to be the same for anyone from anywhere. Sort of, uh, that's the philosophy we, we want uh, to build it on, also how we think it has to work. And that is the one part that is causing us the most difficulty, because we are like we are building this for a future that is slightly different than today, which is the Internet world, right? which is this like digital overlay to our whole planet, where everyone is connected to everyone else. But we are still, you know, we're, we're building it on the, the legacy code, let's say, of the existing countries. So finding, you know, solving that problem of making a universal simple product that is also then legal everywhere, that becomes then our greatest challenge, Uh, which is a bit of a boring challenge, but it's necessary, right? Because it has to be, uh, you know, our approach to the existing, let's say the old order is friendliness. So we're trying to kind of like drag them with us into the future. We're not sort of building a revolution on the blockchain, right so so uh, so that's 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 the hardest part is to make a simple product that is universal and legal everywhere that's That's the one we meet over and over and over again uh, in, a, in a, like hundred different uh, variations and uh, But to say like a few words about like why why is it important and why is it necessary? Well, if you think about the nomad case, so obviously. You know, when you're in Australia and when you're abroad, the Australian, whatever social safety net you had, isn't going to work the same way when you're in Bali, right? Obviously. And then it's for a remote team. Uh, Then you have a slightly different case. So, you know, we have Safe Doing has employees and contractors in 70 different countries. So we're in one country. So that company is registered in the U.S., but obviously, when we hire a contractor in Argentina, it's not like that contractor can access any social U.S. social safety nets. And they actually also fall between a lot of the chairs in Argentina because they're working as a contractor for a foreign company. So this is sort of examples of how it just doesn't work. So the underlying need is the kind of same need that every human being has ever had, right? It's like you will become injured one day, you will become sick one day, you will become old one day. And when you do, you don't want to be like destitute and like alone and broke, right? You want to be well taken care of. So that's the so- that's what the social safety net is. And now because of the internet, it has become obsolete. The existing ways we solve this. So it has to be rebuilt in its globalized digital way. And that's what we're doing. And of course, it's also a great opportunity to build one that is much better, right? A lot of people will... Be familiar with many countries' social systems are very poorly built. They're not very good. It doesn't work very well. So now we have an opportunity to build something something great.
0: Yeah, I mean, the concept to me is revolutionary. I think there we're always looking for ways to be able to improve and to make things better and to kind of shatter the old way that things have been done for so long one of the words that stands out to me about, you know, what you, uh, what your team and the concept is achieving is this concept of a borderless world. And borders are are conceptualised also. You know, they are lines that are put through continents and then claimed um, and so... You know, what I feel in some ways, the digital nomad movement, um, I would probably note as well for that it is easier for somebody like myself who has an Australian passport and a Maltese passport, um, passport privilege, you know, is real and it affects many people in our world and it inhibits people from being able to cross borders. I wonder if this whole idea of a borderless world and you know this this country on the internet will eventually, in a perfect scenario, help to inhibit some of the barriers of freedom of movement that many people in our world face today. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: no, absolutely i mean this is this is one of the one of the key motivators you know we, we had just had a team gathering for one of our teams in Lisbon and as often when we do those team gatherings there, there is going to be some people that despite us trying our very best, you know we're not able to get them there precisely because their passport doesn't afford them the, the freedom to, to to travel there or they can't get the visa. and uh, that means it doesn't work. Right. it's it's ridiculous that 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 is the the situation, um, because we you know we all work in the in the same company here and and we kind of can't meet for our team offsite. It's because the structure is set for a different world. Again, you know, it's it's not updated to the the world we find ourselves in now, which is a global digital borderless world already, with borders that maybe they had some function in the past but now they appear like you said they appear arbitrary they appear strange like an anachronism of like a distant past that isn't relevant anymore and uh and i we absolutely hope and believe that what we will if we are able to achieve the goal of plumia to make a passport for the first content internet that you can get by choice instead of by birth that will give freedom of movement to potentially anyone in the world when we're fully complete, and uh, and that I think will be you know I, I think that is a great thing. Uh, I think that well, I think freedom is is a, is, a, is a great thing. I think that I'm just trying to be like mindful of like I'm trying to think of like what what, what would the critics say. Like what are the concerns that come up in this? Okay, so, so here's one concern that I think someone might have from uh, you know people being able to, 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 to move anywhere. And, and that's that they're kind of concerned about their local community disintegrating. I think that is one concern. Uh, but I would say that these things actually aren't in conflict because even in a borderless world, you can still build and maintain local communities. And, and invest in them and, and contribute to them. And in fact, that was the case. Nation states and the borders there are new. They started like in the 1600s, but all the time before that, and most of the time after that, that we didn't have those. So you had city states, and you had, of course, towns and communities like that. And that will continue to to endure. And I also think the nation states will have some role to play. But, but yes, um, it is... Um, it isn't it isn't necessary to kind of build these like fences out you know in rural areas to prevent people from coming to your city that's not how you you know ensure that your city has a thriving strong local cohesive community Um, and also i should say that part of what drives uh, a lot of economic migration at least also becomes solved uh by this so remote work allows people to you know apply for jobs on the internet so that they maybe don't, if they're in a kind of economic destitute situation, maybe they don't have to travel, you know, across, you know, an arduous journey for a better future for uh, their families, but because they can instead, you know, travel to the internet and and get that better future there, uh, which also reduces the need. So, so yeah, so that would be my, I guess, words to to those who are, you know, concerned. I think that, the solution comes with the change here, uh, and and that this future is is purely a much better one, where we, we unlock a lot of freedom uh, and a lot of opportunity, um, and uh, and that the benefit, you know, will will come to all.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciated how you rephrase that in sort of terms of you know what would the critics say, what would people. This, the um, cynical ones say but you know like you said it's important to remember that we are paving something here and you know it's about well what are the values behind each piece of payment that we put down if you're talking values of freedom values of opportunity you know values of community I know as well in in the nomad community well, I use the word community in, in that sense, but we want to find, you know, that, that sense of community again. Many of us growing up in societies that had put individualistic societal structures first and then removed that sort of communal social structure and, and in a way, you know, we're wanting to find that balance again. So community is mm. another value that we are putting into this these these pavement stones and mm. it, it's the the world is constantly changing you know we are never it's never the same as what it was yesterday and so to bring in a concept like this that starts to allow us to be moving forward in, without being in that state of fear that sometimes has been the reason that a lot of these borders had been built in the first place and and move forward in a state of more a more compassionate and more loving and more you know let's provide an equal opportunity for people I think the intention says it all
1: Hmm. I I agree I I think the intention is is good and that the outcome will be good uh, although I'm sure there will be some hiccups along the way and yes you know there is this longing for community and and I, and I think almost everyone would agree that we're not nailing community, like in the modern world. <laughs> um, and, and that there is like, uh, there is indeed this longing, you know, among the digital nomads for a community, for a new home. And uh, in some sense, that is also what we're thinking, you know, with the country and the internet is a new community, right? It is uh you know what what was the original social safety net was like in sort of pre-agricultural times that was you know your tribe you know that if you were like traveling with something as kind of hunter gatherers what secured you when if you got injured was the fact that you were traveling with a tribe that would take care of you otherwise you would die so i think and and we also have this need i think to contribute to a community, to be part of a community, it is kind of how how we are built as human beings, and it's also I think and I think that's a great thing because we can do so much more together than we than we can apart. And um, I'm, I'm I'm very hopeful and basically sure that the quality of the communities that we will see in the future on the internet, in the form of future internet countries and other kinds of communities, I think will be far superior to what we've seen in the past and certainly are seeing now.
0: Well, it certainly does sound uh, like a wonderful and interesting project to be a part of. Um, what can we expect from the uh, team in the near future?
1: So we have, um, well, we have roughly we have two projects. So it's the global social safety net uh, project, Save to Wing, and uh, there the upcoming product releases are, you know, remote retirement and, and remote doctor. Uh, for Plumia, there—that's the project, a uh, non-profit to build the first passport. Uh, that's also, you know, doing community building and policy work. Um, so, you know, if if, if someone listening and they they want to participate in the building of the first country on the internet, definitely go to plumia.org and and look into that. Um, we, we are focusing now in the beginning on this thing, like with the nomad visas, like we even were, you know, there was a story a couple of weeks ago in Time magazine, three, four months, uh, four or five months ago, uh, Lauren Rosavi, who leads that project, spoke to the UN. So we have incredible momentum in our ability to kind of encourage the countries to approach this like positive sum, comp- you know. Let's say a positive competition instead of this, like threat-based uh, approach, to to this to the new world, and I think that is very important. If we get that right, then everything else later will be so much easier. So that's where we're focused now. But over the next, you know, five to ten years, we then want to, you know, build that into an actual first uh, country and a passport that can be available to uh, to everyone. So uh, if that sounds like something you want to contribute to, definitely check that out.
0: Thank you so much. Um and is there anything else that you um feel that you wanted to share today? I think we've covered a lot of inspiring topics. I mean, it's always beautiful to be sitting on the edge of something that could really, you know, bring people a lot of, of joy and happiness and as we mentioned, you know, remove some of these barriers that we have to freedom of movement. Uh, I'm excited about it.
1: Yes. No, I, I am I am very I am very hopeful that we we will succeed and um and uh, and if we do, you know, this will be one of the you know one of the most interesting happenings, I think, of our generation. The kind of the move to internet countries. Um Last words. Well, I guess uh if uh if anyone listening have any ideas for uh for us or something we should pursue or something we should solve, then definitely email me, sandra at safedoing.com and uh, we'd be happy to, to look into that.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, Sandra. Um, for everybody listening, I'll be putting all that information um, in case you missed it and didn't have a pen to write it down uh, in the description of the podcast. You can find the altruistic Traveller podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please um, like and subscribe if you enjoy these stories. Uh, you can um, find more about Safety Wing, safetywing.com, and as Sanjay mentioned, Pumia. Um, I hope that you all enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are in the world. And um, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Sanjay. appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.